Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. All right, family, how are y'all doing this morning? So good to see all of you all in the house. Uh, So those of you all who are watching online, we're so excited to have everybody in the room. Uh, Week two of a series that we've entitled Road Trip, uh, Finding Joy in the Journey. And uh, I know a little bit last week, I kind of told you all just some of my kind of epic fails when it it deals with kind of road trips, kind of being in the car. Uh, It's not something that was native to me uh, when I got married 18 years ago, but it's just something that we do uh, routinely now because it just costs thousands and thousands of dollars to fly to the same location. So um, so I thought I would bring you maybe just kind of another little bit of an epic fail, uh, kind of a road trip this week. Uh, I remember this was a few, uh, actually probably a few years ago, um, I, I try to kind of manage uh, the resources, the dollars that, that we have as best as I can. Now, I remember there was a kind of time Tiff and I were kind of hanging out in Florida and, you know, uh, we were driving back uh, to Baltimore and, you know, put it in the GPS. It's 14 hours, you know, 14 hours from where we were in South Florida up to Baltimore. And, you know, if you have kids, that's automatically 17 hours. I mean, you just kind of put just additional time on that. And I had the bright idea uh, that I was going to do it straight. I was going to not stop. I just said, again, I just feel like, hey, it'd be worth it to save this $200 uh, more so than actually being functional the next day. And so I remember getting in the car. Uh, again, if, you know, for some of you all who are, again, I can, you know, people that y'all just, y'all know how to do road trips. You just know that the rules for the road means if, if you're going to do a long trip, you got to start really early. We left the house at two o'clock and it was just way too late. And one of the other rules that you learn is if you're going to pull off the side of the road, if you're going to pull off to get rest, like you got to do that at a, at a functional time. You don't do it at 10 or 11 o'clock because what happens? All the hotels are full. So I remember kind of getting the car at 2 o'clock. Um, we're driving north on 95. Uh, it, it kind of gets past that ideal time that you would pull off, you know, pull off the road to get a hotel. And I, I look over to my right, and I kind of see Tiffany dozing off. And so I feel like, man, here's my chance to push it. Uh, because I know if, you know if she's kind of awake and cognizant, she's going to encourage me to get off. Hey, let's get a hotel for the night so that we can wake up and get a full kind of drive the next morning. So I see her kind of dozing off, and I have my shot. I got my opportunity. So I keep going. And here's one of the things that's kind of ringing through my mind. I remember before, this was years earlier, talking to Tiff's dad, who was kind of an expert in road trips. It was the thing that he did. Here's one of the things that people tell you, don't drive at night. But here's, you know, I'm typically the kind of person that kind of learns by example or just through experience. And, you know, I say, you know, if I can watch movies at night, I can drive at night. That's what I think. And here's what happens. I start, again, kind of pushing past 10 o'clock, and I just feel my, like my eyes get really heavy. And I said, you know what? Like, he was right. Like, you shouldn't drive at night because something happens at night, and you're kind of looking forward on 95, and, and I'm just kind of feeling this sleep uh, come over me. And I remember pulling over, kind of grabbing an energy drink and kind of pushing through. But here's, here's kind of the moral of that particular story. I got some really, really good instructions ahead of time, but I decided to ignore the instructions to keep kind of pushing towards. The, the good news of the story is that I did, we did get there. We got there at 9 o'clock that next morning. Here's the troubling news about that particular story. I ended up sleeping the entire day because 
it, it would have just made more sense to kind of pull off on the road and to just kind of get the good night of sleep that everybody told me about. But here's what I didn't do. I didn't follow instructions. I, you know, I just said, I'm going to push it. I'm going to get there. And about 10 o'clock the night before, I remember, here's the thought that I had. I remember kind of thinking it would have been a lot easier just to stay home. Uh, that, that's, that's kind of the thing with road trips. Uh, regardless of uh, kind of your age or your stage of life, uh, if you're a person who's done a lot of road trips or you've done very few, like there's always kind of that point in a road trip where in light of what you're experiencing, you say, you know, maybe it would have been a little bit easier to kind of turn back. And, uh, and the inspiration for this series is really that is I feel like, again, one of the things that I was, I think I experienced as I was kind of going through this particular series is life often feels a lot like a road trip. I mean, it's just we all kind of start at a particular destination and there's a place that we want to go. And as you're trying to get to the place you want to go, you're having to kind of navigate all these different obstacles, these challenges. Uh, a few weeks back, we were headed, and there's kind of this common theme, there's 95, like we were headed south uh, on 95, we're headed back here, and our power steering goes out uh, in, in Poole, Georgia. Anybody ever been in Poole, Georgia? I mean, so it's a little bit north of Savannah at about 11 o'clock at night. We open up our phone, and we're trying to see is there a lift or an Uber, and when you open the Lyft or Uber app, they say, literally, it says, good luck. I mean, I mean, it, it's just, there's nobody there. And so we end up kind of being on the side of the road. It's 11 o'clock at night. We're 45 minutes kind of north of where we wanted to be outside of Savannah. Man, we get there, unpack our stuff. We're in the hotel. And, and here's, here's one of the things that I remember kind of thinking in the, in the particular hotel. I said, Lord, I know I'm planning this series on road trips. I don't need any more real-life examples uh, to be able to share. I, I think we've got all the illustrations that we need. But here was one of the things that, that was just kind of eye-opening to me. And, this is, and I didn't actually tell Tiffany this, but the entire experience, I mean, again, we ended up being in a hotel room. Uh, the plan was just for one night. We ended up being there three nights. And again, you all know just all the extra costs that just come with all the obstacles. And I remember kind of thinking this when we were in the hotel room. Uh, my wife has not complained once. I mean, just not complained once. I mean, she's just like, she's, she's just, you know, singing psalms and spiritual songs, and she's just praising the Lord that we're there. And, and, I can and I'm just literally kind of in the side of the room saying, Lord, why me? Is this because I stole a pen from Decatur City Church? Like, I'm trying to figure out, is there a reason that we're experiencing this? And, and, and just, and, and like her temperament was just different. And I just began to think, I'm like, man, this is just a lot of like what life is like. I mean, it's, it's kind of navigating. It's the things that you didn't expect, the health crises. Sometimes it's the transferring to a new city and having to establish relationships. Uh, it is sometimes the health issues or something that you're dealing with. And the question that we're looking at in this particular series is, is how do you keep going when you want to give up? Because for all of us in here, regardless of your age or stage of life or your religious background, uh, I would imagine if I kind of pass the microphone around this room, like there's something in your life that you're dealing with, that you're navigating, and, and perhaps the thought enters your mind, like if I could just kind of go back to a place in life where this was not a thing, life would be better. But I also believe, and we talked a little bit about this last week, that often some of the things that we're carrying, the trials that we experience, a trial just means a difficulty. It means anything in your life that it kind of reminds you that you're not yet at home. Like there's just kind of some things that 
it just, it just, I, you just have this inner kind of feeling that life should not be this way. Here's our first rule of the road, is that if you miss your exit, keep going forward. So the entire point of really kind of this first rule for the road was just this reminder that often in life, when you and I have trials or difficulties, whatever we're facing, whatever challenges, here's what God is often doing in the midst of the challenges that we're experiencing. He's often kind of using the things that we're carrying to conform us to the image of Christ. And we talked a little bit about last week that often um, through the things that we go through, people that we're connected to, they benefit from that. So, so if, if uh, I think one example of this is if I'm on my job and my job helps me to kind of understand there's a particular area of leadership that I need to grow in, I mean, that might be a trial that I'm experiencing, just some discomfort that things on my job that somebody has brought to my awareness, there's something that I don't do well. So that might be a trial. That's something that I'm, that I'm carrying, that I'm navigating. But when I'm able to kind of carry that trial and realize that, God, you're allowing me to experience this trial, um, you're allowing me to experience this trial, but here's also the benefit of this trial is that people that I'm connected to, people that I'm leading, people that I'm serving, they get to benefit from whatever I experience. And so really the encouragement week one uh, was, to, was to not exit early. And, and one of the, the things that I think allows us to persevere and continue to move forward is realizing so often in life, whatever I'm carrying, God uh, uses that. He leverages that to help me to become the person that I desire to be or that he also desires uh, for me to be. And so as we kind of dive into week two, I've got a, just kind of a second rule for the world that we're going to, um, that I'll give you uh, today. Uh, and, and here's what I, what I love about the scripture that we're going to look at today. We're actually going to be in the book of James, uh, verse, excuse me, chapter one, verses five through eight. And what I love about James, again, James has such an interesting story. If you're new to church, new to Christianity, uh, during Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus uh, had an earthly brother. He had earthly siblings. Here's what's so interesting about kind of their story is when Jesus is alive uh, and he's kind of on earth and he's preaching, teaching, healing, uh, and he's really fulfilling the ministry for which he had been given, like his earthly brothers did not believe in him. They really believed that Jesus was somebody who was just trying to seek attention, that he uh, was trying to get his Twitter or his TikTok followers up. Like that's, that's what they thought about Jesus. And here's what miraculously happens after Jesus is crucified and he's raised from the dead, uh, his brothers come to believe in him. And one brother in particular is, is a man by the name of James. And in the first century, James actually ends up leading the church in Jerusalem. Uh, so this is after Jesus has been resurrected and he's ascended. Uh, and he actually ends up kind of leading the church. And so the, the letter that we're diving into today um, is James's, uh, James's writing to a particular group of people who have been displaced. They are on the road. Uh, they, uh, they have been dispersed. They are experiencing challenges and trials and difficulties. So James writes to them to encourage them to keep moving forward in light of what they're experiencing. And for all of us here, we can kind of identify in that because if, if you perhaps, you know, today maybe you're not kind of going through something right now, but perhaps, I mean, you just kind of came through a season in which you had to deal with a trial or a difficulty, or, or if you, you know, we just know it, the longer you keep going, at some point, it's going to be, there's going to be a trial or some difficulty that you're having to navigate. And so, so he writes to them to, in, to encourage them to, to persevere, 
uh, to, to encourage them that what God is doing in you, he desires uh, to finish. And so today, uh, we're going to look at kind of the, the problem, just kind of the problem that he's going to describe in, in, chapter, in verse, uh, verse number five. And then in verses six, seven, eight, he's going to give a solution. And then what I'm going to end with today uh, is just uh, an application uh, to kind of keep us going. I promise I'm going to have y'all out here by 1.30 or 2 o'clock. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in. Uh, see, nobody said take your time, so that means y'all, y'all know I don't have that much time. All right, here we go. Uh, let's jump into James uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Now, here's James right. He says, now, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God. What I love about this word wisdom, wisdom is the ability to see and to experience life from God's perspective. Now, James says, again, kind of really starting out, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should, he should ask God. Now, the first thing that I think when I first read this is why does James have to encourage people that are displaced, they're on the road, they're experiencing persecution, uh, life is less than ideal. Why does he have to encourage them to ask for help? I mean, it would be as if, you know, I mean, just kind of imagine, I told you all the story of when our power steering went out. We're on the side of the road. I mean, just imagine that our power steering goes out and we have this angel called AAA, all right, that drives past us as my power steering goes out. And as they drive past, just imagine me waving at them and saying, no, thank you. I mean, you would look at me and you said, Stephen, that, you, you should have flagged them down because it's obvious that you need help. And so James, I think in this particular kind of situation, is it's, it's odd to me that he's encouraging people that are experiencing difficulty and challenges to ask for help. But then I think about my own life. I think about my own challenges, my own trials, and the things that I often find myself going through. And I'm reminded that I don't always ask for help when I need it. And, and so I think one of the reasons that we see that James encourages them to ask for help is because it's not native to us to ask for help. So he says, if you lack wisdom, he should ask God. And here's what I love in this particular passage. It says, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. And here's the promise, and it will be given to him. So here's what we see, and it's really, really important that we get verse five, because if we don't get verse five, verses six, seven, and eight won't make a lot of sense. So here's the point that James is making. He says, now, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God. And here's what I want to identify with, that this word generously and ungrudgingly. Sometimes, here's how I got to be honest, my kids don't think that I'm generous. I don't think I'm generous. Um, and sometimes I'm not, because I'm not always called to be generous. I'm just, here's, here's my responsibility as a parent. My responsibility as a parent is to provide for your needs, not necessarily all of your wants. But, but here's what often happens in a road trip. We're headed to a particular location. Um, we're on the road, and my kids get hungry. My responsibility as a parent is to provide for their needs, is to give them some food. So here's what often happens with my kids, is they ask for a snack. I got a snack here, and so sometimes what I do is I'll kind of take out a snack. And again, here's my desire is to provide for their needs, not their wants. I just got to provide what they need to keep them going. And so anybody come in here, anybody, like, here's sometimes what happens when I come to church. Anybody kind of come to church this morning, you're still a little bit, a little bit hungry. Anybody still a little bit hungry came to church this morning? Come on, man. You, you're here. Come here. See, here's, come on up. Y'all give him a hand clap. Listen, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, Kyle. So, so I give Kyle, so here's what I did. Man, I'm just, I, I want to be a good person. This is not necessarily generosity. I'm just, I, Kyle's, Kyle's hungry. His stomach was growling. I saw actually people say to him, like, man, please send him up because I hear his stomach. 
So that, that's just me providing for what he needs. But here's what I want to do, Kyle. Come on, Kyle, come on back up, man. Here, listen. Because Kyle, I think Kyle's really hungry. So what I do from just kind of giving Kyle exactly what he needs, listen, I give him, I give him another Snickers. Hold up, stand. Okay, stay there for a second. No, you take the box. See this? You messed up my illustration. Okay. All right. So, so what I've just done in Kyle's life, Kyle just needed a Snickers, all right, because that would satisfy his hunger. But here's what I do in Kyle. And again, you know, and, and Kyle, he actually did a good job. Like, so Kyle asked. So here's the thing. I'm going to give him another Snickers. So what I'm doing in Kyle's life is I am providing more than Kyle has asked for, more than Kyle has needed. So here's Kyle. Here's what I'm going to do, man. Here, here, take this. Take this for your section. I heard some of the people. So here's what generosity is. Generosity is when God gives us more than we need, more than we ask for. And here's what I love about God. It says that he also gives us ungrudgingly. So here's what happens. Even if Kyle takes what I've given him, he messes it up. Let's say he drops it on the floor and the wrapper opens up. Hey, man, let me. Can I preach? Because you're trying to. Listen, you're not the best with illustration. You got to let me do it because you're getting ahead of me. Okay. All right. So next time, does he do this at home? Okay. Right, you got to let me, how are we supposed to be on the same page? Okay. But let's just say hypothetically, Kyle takes the gift that I've given him and he doesn't use it in a way that, that ultimately serves his purpose. But here's what it says about God. It says that God, he's still generous and he's ungrudgingly. And so here's what happens over time. God just keeps giving. And so here's, here, take, all right, take it. You can sit down. Y'all give him a hand clap. So, 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 here, so here, here is what God is seeking to demonstrate. And it's such a simple principle that we miss it. What God is seeking to demonstrate in life is that when we have things that we're carrying, is that we can ask him about it. It's that simple. He's saying that we can ask him about it because what characterizes who he is is that he's a God of generosity. And even at times when we're looking, when we're looking to receive the answer and we perhaps don't use it in the way that, that he designed or the way that, that he expected, he's still generous enough to continue to provide what we need to continue moving towards the destiny and the purpose that he has for us. And he, he says, and so, so it's this, so I think one of the things that James is doing, which is so exciting, is he's really trying to help us to understand the motivation for us literally taking time to communicate with God about what's going on in our life. So what I wanted to do uh, also uh, today is, is to give you uh, kind of five evidences kind of in your life of, of what his generosity looks like. I think often when we're kind of thinking of this particular question, we're saying, okay, God, I know that I'm supposed to ask about the things that I'm experiencing. But what, but what does it look like to receive from you? I want to give you kind of five uh, kind of principles, five sources uh, in which I think God communicates his generosity to us. Here, here, here's number one, is that I believe that God often in our life, just imagine any trial that you're facing, any circumstance, here's one of the ways in which God communicates his generosity towards us is through his son, Jesus. So we think about Jesus' life, his ministry, the things that he talked about, the way that he interacted with people that were down and out, the way that he, the way that, uh, he interacted with the religious leaders, the way that he navigated people that were against him. It, it's, it's having, for us, having a clear picture of who Jesus is. And here's, here's what we are invited to. So we ask for wisdom about what we're experiencing. Here's one of the ways in which God responds to us is he has given us Jesus, his life. And here's the invitation that we have is the invitation we have is to follow Jesus' example. 
So, so whenever in my life I'm struggling with something, whenever something's difficult, whenever I'm, I'm feeling pressed or there's anxiousness or anxiety, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of settle my heart and to think, is there an area, as I look at Jesus' life and his ministry, like how did Jesus deal with this? How, how did he deal with people that were against him? How did, how did he communicate? What are the things that are important to him? And as I begin to see the life and the ministry of Jesus, here's a very practical way that I've received an answer to what I'm asking for. Because so often in life, we ask God for things. And here's what so often happens in life is we don't really, at times, we just don't feel like God's speaking. And, And so often in life, here's what often has us sometimes wanting to not hold on to what we're, what we're, experiencing is because we believe that if God, God, if you have an answer, then it's really up to me to kind of figure out how to navigate this thing. So one of the primary ways that God communicates to us is through his son, Jesus, and then we have the invitation to follow him. Here's the second way that that God often communicates to us and and a way in which we can receive an answer to the questions that he asks is his word. Psalm 119, 105 uh, says that I have uh, treasured, I've treasured your word in my heart. And that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that your word is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But God's given us his word. So you have to imagine sometimes when you're, when you're holding something that's difficult, here, here's one of the ways that God shows his kindness towards. Perhaps there's a scripture that you've read. And, and, and as you're experiencing what you experience, you're like, oh, oh man, this is... This speaks directly to my situation. This speaks to what I'm struggling with. Like, like, here's some wisdom and insight that I did not have before. And here's what I want you to know, that you have asked, and God in his kindness has given you his word that you then can apply. It's an, it's an evidence of asking and receiving. Here, here's, here's number three, is that God often gives you people, your people, uh, your spouse, your friends, your small group leaders. And here is their goal and their, uh, I think one of the reasons that God places strategic people in our lives to encourage us to see things in us that we don't see in ourselves, uh, to help us to persevere when life gets difficult. Here's what your people do in your life. They're the people that remind you in the midst of all the things that you're going through, they remind you of the times in your life when perhaps God has been faithful, when he's answered a prayer. Uh, perhaps when he's uh, kind of opened a door uh, that it's evident that that wasn't based on your networking. It wasn't based on your influence. It wasn't based on the amount of money you had on your bank account. That's what your people are. And I want to give really just kind of a shout out to parents. And if we've got, you know, obviously some, some students here, I think one of the primary ways uh, that God does this in your life is through the influence of your parents um, and the influence of, of people that know you and love you and care for you and, and can help uh, you discern uh, good, wise decisions. So that's number, number three. Here, here's, here's number four, is your resources. So again, we ask, and what is one of the ways that we receive? It's through navigating kind of the resources that God has put in, in, our, in our hand. And, and our responsiveness or the invitation that we have to managing our resources is, is to manage it. It's, it's stewardship. I often think in my life of uh, uh, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes God has answered a prayer that I've prayed uh, through, uh, and I feel like I'm going to have some people with me, through, through a lack of resources. I mean, sometimes in my life, uh, I, I remember I was, this was a few months back, and I was kind of flipping through Instagram, and, and Bora Bora popped up. 
I mean, it's just Bora Bora's beautiful place. It's popped up, and it's just, I mean, the water's, water's just beautiful. I mean, you can kind of see through it, and all the little kind of tiki huts are like on water. And, and I, I felt, at that moment, when I was looking at those pictures, I felt called to Bora Bora. <laughs> I, just, I just felt the Lord's hand on me saying, this is, this is where you want to spend your life. This is where you want to minister. This is where you want to preach the gospel. Uh, this is where you want to see life change happen. But guess what? Guess what? Here's what happened. I mean, literally almost instantaneously after that, I realized that I didn't have a Bora Bora bank account. <laughs> and my lack of Bora Bora resources meant that God has called me here to Atlanta <laughs> to be faithful. And so often, like, man, here's sometimes one of the ways to discern, has God given you an answer to something you ask, is, is do you got the cash to do it? <laughs> and, and if I've got to charge my way uh, to a place that I think God has called me, then perhaps God's called you here with me in Atlanta. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, here's, 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 uh, here's, here's the last one. It's your gifts and your talents. I think one of the ways that God often answers the prayers that we're asking is to help you identify uh, the areas uh, and the gifts and the passions, the things that you do well. And that's why I think one of the most amazing things to do at this church is, is, to, is to volunteer, is to have a place uh, where your gifts have been identified and, and you're able to use your gifts uh, to help make somebody else look good, to help, um, to help somebody else find a seat, to help somebody else find a parking spot, to help adults be able to um, experience an adult kind of worship service like we're in now. But I think that's often one of the ways when we ask a question to God and we say, God, here's, here's something I'm dealing with, here's something I'm struggling with. I think one of the ways that God often reminds us women of the gifts and the passions and, and the things that we actually can do to serve him and to serve the needs of others. So what we've looked at this morning is, is the problem. The problem is kind of solved by just us saying, man, you know what, God, we want to we realize that you're generous, that you, that you don't give grudgingly. And here, here are kind of five areas where we can recognize, perhaps, and we can kind of look for you to answer particular questions. And let's look at kind of the solution. And the solution comes in, in verses 6 and 7. But here's, here's what we got to do. It says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. It says, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And it says, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So, so here's the point of what I think James is trying to drive home. Here's the danger that I think we, we face. Whether you're a person who's been walking with Jesus uh, for years, or perhaps you're in here and you're still trying to figure out man, the whole Christianity thing and Jesus being the Son of God and dying for our sins and, and being our Savior. So here's what so often happens in life is that what, we're, what you're currently experiencing, you can often lose sight of what you have experienced. So what you're currently experiencing might be a trial, but here's what so often happens in life. It says that this person is double-minded. This person is, is unstable because what they're currently experiencing has them to a place of instability, and they've lost sight of what they have experienced in Christ. And what James said in the very first verse of James chapter 1, he says, here's your confidence that you're going to make it. Here's your confidence that you're going to pull through. He says in verse 1 is that you're brothers and sisters in Christ. The confidence that we have that we can continue persevering is not based on the things that we do. It's not based on us dotting every I and crossing every T. It's based on who Jesus is and what he has done. 
So what I'm currently experiencing, I cannot lose sight of what I have experienced. Uh, our second rule for the road is don't be afraid to ask for directions. Don't be afraid to ask for directions. One of my, my, my favorite app on, on my phone, I mean, this is, and this is maybe just kind of Atlanta thing, it is my GPS. I love it, love my GPS. I, listen, I love my GPS so much in Atlanta. I mean, I, listen, I use my GPS to go across the street. I mean, even when I'm on my, even when I'm walking, I use my GPS because the GPS, it has this amazing feature that, you know, let's just say you're trying to get someplace. Here's, and I don't know if this is Apple. I don't know if we have like an Apple or Google crew here. If there's some tension, I won't, don't identify yourself. But, but it just, based on whatever you use, here's one of the really cool features that happens with, uh, with GPS is that sometimes when you put the destination in, if you've got a really amazing GPS, something will pop on your screen and it will say, I can save you a little bit of time if you take this alternate route. And that just, like, in Atlanta, in 400, 285, then there's just joy and enthusiasm and excitement as based on that. I'm like, I'm just, I get giddy, and I always press the button, and I just, I save three minutes, but it feels like three hours. And, and so here's what happens when I've asked the GPS to do something, and I've received what I'm asking for. Here's what happens. I mean, I just, every time I get in the car, put the GPS back on, and the GPS just continues to kind of GPS and do its, its thing. And every time I get in the car again, I hit, hit the button. I put the direction and where I want to go, and it gets there. And so here's, I think, the insight is, is what gives me the confidence to continue going back to the GPS time after time again is that the GPS has, has answered the question that I was asking. Here's what, and I'm telling you, here's what I want you to grab onto. You can tell my excitement in it. Here, here's, here's what God wants us to learn when we experience trials. God wants us to experience the joy of dependence upon him. He wants to experience that. And so, so one of the things that helps you to persevere is that, is that you have the time and the ability to ask God for what you need, and then you receive the answer to what you're looking for. And so time and time again, what are you struggling with? I needed to take time to ask God for what I need, and I want to see God answer the question of the challenges that I have. And so that's where God is seeking to get us in our life. And it's counterintuitive because here's, here's often kind of our initial uh, rhythm is that when we have things that we're struggling with is to do it by ourselves, is to not ask God about it. So here's, here's the question I want to, want to ask us as we're kind of landing the plane today. I just want to ask this question, in what areas of your life, do you need wisdom to persevere? In what areas of your life do you need wisdom to persevere? And again, if I pass the microphone throughout our entire auditorium and those who are watching online, and there would be a variety of different issues, and where God wants all of us to get together is the place of, man, we've got confidence to set time aside to be able to say, God, here's, here's what I'm standing in need of. Here's where I need clarity. Here's what I'm struggling with. And, and perhaps, whether it's his word, or it's the life of Jesus, or it's the resources that you've managed, or if your gifts and your talents, uh, for you to be able to posture yourself and to wait long enough to be able to receive the answer that you've been looking for. And here's what happens over time. And I just believe that this is often why we experience trials, is, is so that we would experience this joyful dependence and reliance on our heavenly father uh, that Jesus has had with him or had with him before the foundations of the world ever existed. Uh, remember the reminder in this particular series is not for you to leave here thinking that you've got to work harder. 
uh, it's a reminder that we are called to perseverance. We cannot do it in our own strength, but that Jesus has persevered and that we can look to him for the help and the grace that we need to be who he's called us to be and to ultimately get uh, where he has called us. And uh, we're gonna pick up uh, right here uh, next week as we conclude our series, Road Trip, uh, Finding Joy in the Journey. It would be my absolute joy uh, to pray for you all right now. Our God and our Father, we uh, love you today. God, I've really desired to do the best that I can to communicate uh, really, I think the, your heart to everyone this morning that you are a God who has been generous. And you invite us to experience the joyful dependence upon you in whatever we're dealing with. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would show yourself strong on our behalf and that whatever people stand in need of, those who are in the room and those who are watching online, that you would do so in a spectacular fashion. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who lived the life that we could not live, that he died the death that we deserve. You raised him on the third day. He is seated at your right hand. He has sent the spirit to indwell his people and you will, day, will one day come again. And we celebrate that fact. And for those who stand in need of faith this morning, I pray that perhaps something that we've said today would be a reminder that your arms are wide open, desiring that all would come to you, that they would experience the rest that you promise. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.